guys. Welcome back to the 429 Podcast. I'm two. I'm nine. I'm four. And welcome to TechCast episode 29. That's right, guys. We've made it 29 episodes of TechCast. Not continuous, right? Because, you know, we just, uh, it's been it's been a little hectic for all of us. But um, we're here, we're back, and we have, actually, it's my week. And surprisingly, we actually have some interesting news this week. So we're just going to dive deep, deep the into it, right? The universe blessed to this week for the first time in ever. Honestly, right? But to start off, this one's a little, you know, call out for four. But Grand Theft Auto actually had awarded a fan $10,000 for solving a flaw in their game. Okay. So Rockstar Games has actually paid a person, uh, paid a developer $10,000 because you guys know when you guys go play online on Grand Theft Auto V and it just takes forever to load. Yep. So yep. it turns out there was actually a code bug that was loading a bunch of sprites that were just completely unnecessary. Oh, man. And one developer reworked the code via GitHub, put in a pull request, and basically sped it up 10 times the speed and now you can get in in less than a minute onto your online game servers for gta online okay so wait hold up a second here you mean to tell me that gta's code is open source hello what that was the other interesting news i found from this right it was that they uh they were they were able to have access to gta's code right and so they have uh it's online somewhere i don't know where exactly i didn't get a chance to look into it but yeah gta's code the game engine part of its game engine is online for them to actually go in and enhance and so Rockstar open sourced that. And uh, yeah. And Rockstar, believe it or not, this was not, believe it or not, this was not a part of some type of bug bounty or anything like that. So Rockstar, believe it or not, didn't even have to do anything um, or even pay the pay the developer or anything. But they just did it out of, you know, kindness in their hearts. And they were like, dude, you just solved one of our biggest mm -hmm. problems you've ever had. And here's 10 grand for solving it, right? So mm -hmm. I think it should be more. I agree. I definitely think it should be more because Rockstar is making billions off of that feature. But at the end of the day, you know, I think they should have offered him a job. Um, yeah, more than anything. At least, at least, I think at least a job. I mean, this guy just single-handedly saw one of the biggest issues that a company full of developers probably didn't have time or could even yeah. solve. And like, the main reason, and look, honestly, the main reason that no one was able to solve it for the longest time is because this is the same game engine that they've used since the first Grand Theft Auto, right? So, like, you guys, you guys know how. That's not true. This game well, engine was. The was no, I think I believe this the it's the rare engine, right? Uh. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the rare engine. Different. I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, the rare engine was first used at that uh, virtual uh, ping pong game they made in like '06, and then it was used for uh, GTA 4. Yeah, so it's been used in GTA 4, exactly. Well, before that, the ping pong game. But yeah, technically, the first that was the first GTA game. But yeah, so it's been it's been around for a while, you know. And so like they, uh, it's you, you guys already know when you have thousands of developers on one code base and just modifying it and adjusting it there's going to be room for error right and so props to that de dev for you know taking i can picture this too it. right like there's probably so many teams working on different dlc at the same time right but you've got one central team that's responsible for actually managing all of that dlc and integrating it back into the game right because you know all of these devs that make the dlc aren't actively probably modifying the the, the component of the game that loads all the, loads all the assets, right? So it's exactly. probably like every dev, like even if they saw something or like knew it was slow, it's like, you know, that was probably built so long ago. There's no one really allocated on it. It's just, I think it's more of a problem of, you know, if I had to guess bureaucracy from within Rockstar. <laughs> I also wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised since this thing has been around, we're talking about a game that's been around for like, what, eight years now? Yeah, exactly. Right? This, game, this game is bloated to hell. Right, you're talking about multiple DLC content that's coming out yearly base. I wouldn't be surprised if the code is just so bloated now that it's just, it's just there's no reasonable time or 
like Forrest said, like the bureaucracy to, to even tackle such an issue right now because it's so embedded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. If I was let's them, I think it, it makes sense going, to. Right? It, it, I think it would make sense to maybe allocate a couple people to look at stuff like that. Like optimization is key. It really enhances your user experience, and you know, like that guy I just saw. If some random dude who plays GTA can figure it out, I don't think there's any reason why Rockstar shouldn't be able to. But then, but yeah. yet here we are. <laughs> so here we are. But let's keep it going. Let's keep it going, right? Another sticking with some sticking with the topic of video games for now, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, PlayStation Plus. PlayStation Plus memberships are actually slowly and slowly and slowly decreasing to literally the lowest they've ever been, right? Yeah. And there's several reasons for this, and we've already mentioned them in the past, right? You know, the rise of PC gaming, rise of the gaming community during the pandemic, rise of, you know, Nintendo Switch sales, for example, and having a bit much more bigger competitor to the PlayStation franchise, as well as the Xbox Game Pass, right? So PlayStation has to do something to keep up, and it's not just going to be, you know, like proprietary titles that they have. So this is the next step on PlayStation's agenda right now. It's just slowly, slowly without people noticing, decreasing the prices of the subscriptions. But uh, here we are. What do you guys think? Uh, and how are you guys feeling about this? I think it's a win-win. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Microsoft really got a... It, it kind of makes sense because Microsoft's real advantage right now is their Game Pass system, right? Which we're talking about like $13, I think, a month to get like multiple games, like, like you know, recent releases for free. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like... It makes sense that PlayStation is trying to find another edge in their lineup to really like nab one over uh, Xbox, and, it, and you know everyone has to pay right now. All everyone console you have to pay for membership. That's just a standard that's been set since the 360 era, actually before that, before the original Xbox. Mm-hmm. So them trying to, you know, nab an advantage there, it makes sense to give them a bit of an edge, and it's and it makes sense that Sony's doing it because if you guys don't remember back in the PlayStation 3 era, online was free. It wasn't. Hell yeah, it was. That's why I've never upgraded. <laughs> it, uh, it never, uh, it never, it never was. Uh, it was solely towards the end of the PlayStation Three lineup, uh, and mostly with the PlayStation Four that uh, they started charging people and following Xbox uh, model. So I wouldn't be. I'm not surprised if they eventually just make it like super low fee. Like we're talking like fifteen dollars for like a year or something like that, and just nab. Yeah, right. It could, it could follow the realm of like Epic and Fortnite battle passes, right? Of like being like super cheap and affordable for everyone. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, get more people playing and stuff like that. Eventually, like, you know, that's a lot for a lot of, especially young gamers, that's a, a big hurdle. Like, getting a live subscription every day, that's a big hurdle for them. So, just making the entry gate even easier and easier just makes it more more uh, sales and purchases down the line. Yeah. For what are your thoughts, real quick? You know, I like these game passes. I think they're really cool. They let you play a lot of games for really cheap, you know. Um, but I still kind of stand by the fact that I think everything's going to be on PC eventually. So, I think. Well, it's not a game pass. It's not a game pass, sadly. This is a membership to like play games. On. Oh, it's I see. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, yeah. okay. In that All case, right. then that even reinforces my belief that eventually, eventually things will be PC anyway. PC is free to play on. Buy games you want. You can still take advantage of Xbox Game Pass if you want. For most titles, it's. Like I said, it's my belief that within the next 10 years, consoles will be almost obsolete. I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that entirely. Just because of exclusiveness. As long as there's exclusiveness in PS4, uh, PlayStation lineup and uh, Nintendo, I feel like consoles will always have... I think there's a price to exclusiveness, right? I think I think everyone has a dollar mm-hmm. amount. And uh, we'll see what that dollar amount comes out to be. But uh, 
we'll, it'll be interesting to see it going. But I don't want to dwell too much on it because we have a lot more stories to cover. Yep. But one of my favorite pastimes for, as you know, is I love to prove Nine wrong, right? And this is one of those occasions where I get to prove him wrong with one of his favorite companies in the world. So if you guys go back a couple of ago, you know, Nine was mentioning how Apple was going to have this event in uh, actually this week. And uh, it was going to be a great event talking about, you know, air tags and all this stuff. But um, looks like March 23rd came and went and uh, still no Apple event here. Nine, anything, uh, anything you would like to comment with this story? Yeah, yeah, I actually do. Um, one, I did claim it was a rumor. That's a hundred percent a fact. <laughs> and I always say, you know, rumors tend to drift. That's 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 the life of rumors. Second, and this wasn't recorded, but when I first mentioned this to two, he said, "Yeah, I heard that too." So it's not like I'm just making these up or I'm just approaching you. You also believed that there was going to be an event when I told you. But that. I was not the one who claimed it on TechCast. Therefore, I am guilt-free here. Uh, but you know, I, I'm just sharing. <laughs> I'm just spreading the news. I, I'm not the one. I'm not the source. So you know, mess news change frequently. Things happen. You know, um, I'm not surprised it didn't pan out to be honest. Because I feel like last year we also had this similar event where they thought there was gonna be a March event, and it didn't happen. Um, I think that every two or one month someone claims there's gonna be an Apple event for the Air Tags, um, and it just doesn't happen. I'm starting to believe that this air tax stuff it just doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but keeping it going with Apple though, right? Something that does exist or no longer exists now. <laughs> Intel-based Intel iMacs are slowly being phased out. So Apple this week and last week has actually cut support for all. Basically, majority uh, the iMac Pro is already dead, and they killed support for all of the high-end iMacs for the 20, 21 and a half inch and the twenty-seven inch, right? And this news came in today that the new uh, beta for Big Sur, the 11.3 beta, actually has support for not only, you know, Silicon uh, M1 Apple Silicon-based MacBooks, but new support for iMac-enhanced Silicon-based um, products. So later this year, it looks like we will definitely be seeing a revamped iMac. I'm projecting November as, like, the original time frame, right, mm -hmm. of seeing... Silicon-based Macs come to. I can't wait to see the power of these Macs and see how strong it's going to be because we've heard great things about the current iteration of um, laptops, and so I can't wait to see what the M1 or possibly even the M2 chip looks like this year in the upgraded iMacs. So nine, I'll throw it back to you for this since Apple is your favorite. Oh, well, makes sense. I mean, we, we got, I think we both, all of us, predicted that this was going to be a thing happening eventually you know silicon chips just like their new pride and joy it's their own proprietary tech uh they definitely have sang millions if not billions of dollars in developing it so it makes sense that you know eventually you're gonna just see a shift of intel based uh, products just being a thing of the past um it happened before in apple's early history it's gonna happen again yeah. uh, we're just in history repeat itself yeah for what are your thoughts here I mean, it's no doubt that Apple was going to do this, right? I mean, if they can make their own chips, why would they spend the extra money on Intel chips? They can charge the same and pocket all that extra, all that Plus extra revenue, right? And they're faster, too. Yeah, and they're faster, right? So, I mean, they can actually, you can, they can probably charge more, pay less. I mean, it's a it's a win-win-win-win for everyone except for the consumers, Intel. I guess. <laughs> Intel, I'm and Intel, yeah. Except for Intel. <laughs> Intel is hard to have, but... But keep it, let's keep it going, right? 
we've already mentioned this a bunch of times, right, in TechCast. I don't know how many times we could really hammer this point home, right? Here we go again. Back at it. <laughs> Tech CEOs were back in Congress this week, oh, right? Of course. Were they? Do they? I really, really wonder, like, how much they're paying these guys to keep coming back. Because I'm sure Sundar, Jack Dorsey, and Mark Zuckerberg definitely have better things to do with their time. But, yes, so Jack Dorsey, Mark Zuckerberg, and Sundar Pichai from Twitter, Facebook, and Google, respectively, we're back in Congress today talking about the misinformation campaign and what led to the actual Capitol riots on January 6th, and especially the, with the rollout of the new coronavirus vaccine. And I don't know when Congress is going to understand that these three guys don't control what people write on their platform. They just provide the platform. That's mm-hmm. all they're doing. It's really, they're providing the p- platform. You have a bunch of people all around the world who are providing the content here, Right. And these guys are just benefiting from that. So I don't understand what's going to take Congress to like completely understand that. But if you want to maintain tech, you want to maintain creativity, you need to leave these platforms be and let them just go on, you know, unregulated, really. Now, in certain aspects, there should be regulation. There shouldn't be, you know, not, not censorship and not, you know, um, in the cases of Google, for example, of like, promoting different searches based on making more money. But at the same time, it's like, you got to let them do, you got to let the content roll around the internet, you know? But what are your guys' thoughts on this one? See, I agree that they should probably, you know, let content roll freely. And although at the same time, I do think that there are certain standards these tech companies need to be held to, especially because they're granted certain protections that other companies and other private businesses aren't granted. So... You know, I think that there are standards they should uphold and be required to abide to that, you know, other companies that don't have, you know, social media protections should not be required to abide by. Mm-hmm. Nine? Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much what uh, Floor said. I kind of agree in part. Um, it's just a, you know, censorship is a very tricky subject. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one hand, there are definitely situations where you highly need them, right? You don't want to pro- promote, you know, criminal acts, uh, you know, like, you know, pedophilia and those types of things and let it just run. Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, you also don't want to, you know, you know, muffle, you know, freedom of speech and stuff like that. Right. So it's a, it's a tough spot. Uh, I don't envy these guys to have to handle it. Um, But I guess they're doing their best they can. Um, I'm honestly, wasn't even aware of this hearing. Yeah, how was I? I didn't even know this I, was a thing. I, I, this, one, this one really usually you hear these like a week in advance that they're gonna come up, and they people the, like all the news companies just like keep saying, "Oh, this is day two of, of it's gonna happen, and day three three is coming as tomorrow." I think the difference here is that there's not really like a monetary gain here, right? I think it's really for Congress just to you know pass time in Congress for not passing anything. Mm-hmm. What so, was the last? What was the last three for? I thought that was the same reason, just to pass. Time. It was the same. It was the same reason, but this time, this time, it's a different president. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the key here. Right. Different guy this time up charge. Right. So sure that's the only real difference in this. But it's the same again. Different government. Same shit. It's because it's not even the president even like grilling them. It's like, you know, Congress. No, dude, it's the rest of Congress. That's 95 percent the same. That was. Yeah. Which hasn't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really the same thing. Whatever. But another story. Right of actually real interest. Our boy Elon's back in the news, right? First, you know, he first took his corporate treasury to Bitcoin, and now he's letting you buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. That's right. Starting today, or I think yesterday, whatever it was, you can actually now buy a Tesla with Bitcoin. 
So <laughs> passing the <laughs> passing the um, U.S. dollar, passing all other forms of currency, you can now actually buy it with crypto, and um, that's game changing for a lot of people, especially with people with big crypto assets who've been waiting to actually have some way to spend their money, and so now they can all go out and buy Teslas, as well as you know take advantage of other offerings that Coinbase, BlockFi, and all these other de- uh, decentralized finance firms are doing with uh, payments and loans, actually. So. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Give me a second. I'm trying to buy one more though. <laughs> it's kind of game changing. I mean, really, you've never had like massive opportunities like this before in terms of spending your Bitcoin, right? I mean, sure, maybe there have yeah. been credit cards, maybe there's been, you know, a whatever, but most of the time, these like credit cards and money transfer services are really just, you know, buying your Bitcoin and then transferring cash or money. Transferring it to a dollar, right? This right? is the first time that, and it Elon's come out and said it himself that. Exactly. And Elon's come out and said it himself that any crypto that we that, that you give us to buy a Tesla, right, we are storing that crypto. We are not changing it over into U.S. dollars and switching it like how other places do. Right. Yep. So to, as per my knowledge, I believe this is the first consumer good, actually, that you can buy with crypto and the company itself holds the crypto. Um, that's pretty game changing for the industry as a whole. Yeah. OK, it's the first legal good. Le- uh, let's, yeah, that's correct. For <laughs> here. First legal good, legal consumer good that you can do, right? As we all know, Bitcoin has a very dark past with uh, the Pirate Bay and uh, all that stuff. But um, wasn't Pirate Bay? It was um, Silk Road. Silk Road. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, Silk Road, Pirate Bay. It was all. It was all one network actually. Um, and so yeah, so we know crypto has a dark past, but. It looks like it's having a Bright really future. clean, lighter future. Yeah. But, um. Oh, there, wait. There we go. Bitcoin. <laughs> it took you that long to find the. I found it. Elon. Elon, you got to make it a little easier. You, you know, know what I was just thinking? Uh, Think about, like, how many, like, like, uh, like criminals might have, like, so much money in Bitcoin right now. Like, picture, like, some of the guys that might have got arrested in some of these, like, drug busts, right? Like, years ago. They might have been holding tons mm-hmm. of crypto, got arrested, went to jail for years. If they oh, yeah, dude, jail, one of the biggest... Imagine they find, like, their the... crypto flash drive. They're, like, billionaires now. That would be nuts. Oh, man. Yeah, but like, you remember, right? I think you brought this up a few TechCasts ago. One of the biggest crypto wallets is actually owned by the DEA, right? Yep. The United States yep, Drug Enforcement did. Agency, right? So, like, that's pretty hilarious, right? How, like, the U.S. government's actually one of the biggest holders of crypto right now, inadvertently, because of drug busts. Yep. Like, that's pretty funny, but... I think, I think they can't access it, though, right? They can. They can access it. They haven't done so um, for whatever reason. Well, because I the, think, it's I think the, part question of was, the question was, how does the U.S. government cash in on that money without manipulating the market? Because it was so much. Oh, yeah, and you can't, really. Well, that, and it's also, here's the other issue with that one, right? That money is actually held as part of a criminal investigation on drug yeah. busts, right? Yep. It's not owned by, like, the Treasury that can do what it, do with what it wants, right? Yep. It's actually owned by the police, technically so like yeah but at some money at some point that money comes back to the state and really it's a physical item it's not it's not it's not like it's cash right it's treated differently yeah. so i don't know but as the rules and regulations for crypto change i'm sure the u.s government will write its own law to actually access that fund right so mm-hmm. i wrote it uh i get all access to that bitcoin <laughs> signed the assigned the guy who's getting 20 percent like <laughs> um but keeping up with the whole crypto space right I'm going to pair these two stories back to back, actually. 
So the next big trend that's actually coming into the whole crypto space is what you guys have probably heard by now is NFTs, right? And non-fungible tokens. Non-fungible tokens, actually. So basically, what all these NFTs really do is tie your ownership to a specific type of good. Typically, it's a form of online content. So a tweet, a meme, a GIF, a piece of artwork, you know, um, any any of that stuff, right? And so it's actually really taken off in value so much so that like you have all these random things that are coming around from NFTs, right? Um, mm -hmm. Bad Babby, for example, who's celebrating her 18th birthday. And if you guys don't know her, she was the chick that went on Dr. Phil and was like, catch me outside, you know, when she was 13. Yep. Um, so the Cash Me Outside girl is actually selling that slogan as a meme uh, for an NFT, and she's about to make bank off of it because there's a lots of bids coming in for that, right? Jack Dorsey recently sold his first tweet, the first tweet ever to be on Twitter, for $2 million, and that all went to charity, right? Oh, Time News is now selling its iconic covers, and so you can own actually one of the iconic covers of Time News via NFT, and they're going from anywhere between $500,000 to up to $5 million, believe it or not, right? And NFT uh, tied to the New York Times columns have sold for nearly 560,000 Ethereum, right? And so Nuts. a New York Times column selling for 350 Ethereum, so almost $560,000, right? This NFT boom is going pretty insane across all these spectrums and everything. And... We don't know what we could really do with this technology, but as we were debating it internally between us three, right, we were, we really felt it was going to be another form of, you know, like copyright, right, of you. It's like digital copyright in a some in some sense. I don't know the law mechanisms mechanisms behind it. I would be very curious to know the law mechanisms behind it. Yep. But I'm a I'm a shoot it over to you guys four and nine for your guys' thoughts on this uh, this trend that's occurring now. Yeah, in the crypto dude, it's 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 really interesting. I think it plays really well with the whole like crypto scene that's been blowing up, right? That kind of mm -hmm. fits in with that whole narrative that's that's been doing really well. So it's no surprise that this is working out the way it will, the way that it is, and. You know, I think maybe there's a, a a real market for this type of stuff to exist. Some some of it seems a little, how do I say, like stupid, stupid, <laughs> yeah, or like it's just total novelties. But you know, we maybe maybe uh, hopefully we'll start seeing some better real use cases for it within the next year. Yeah, I agree. Nine, your thoughts? Uh, I just found out that uh, Nathan Dogface, you know, the the TikToker that uh, that did that cranberry thing with the flat uh, Fleetwood Mac song. Yep, he sold his uh, viral video as an NFT, and oh, no. he started as a bit of five hundred uh, k. So yeah, I mean, like everyone's just pretty much doing it at this point. Okay, here's my question: Who has the money to pay for these tweets and these memes? <laughs> Who's got just five hundred thousand sitting around? Like, yeah, I want to own "Catch Me Outside." I want to own that slogan. So I'm just gonna go pay half a million dollars for it. Like, what? That would I mean, take me thirty years to pay off with a mortgage. It's funny enough you said that someone, I literally just found an article with the title was, how many people can drop $600,000 on a meme? Right? I don't understand. <laughs> who's got this, who's buying these things? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just celebrities or like, you know, like billionaires that are like, just don't know what to do with their money. You know, like Elon Musk, those types of guys. All right, look, if you're really at that point that you spend $500,000 on a freaking meme like this, right? Like... Dude, like, please pass your money our way. We will gladly accept some sponsorship. All right, thousand dollars would be very I, helpful. I, I would like to. I'd like, like to create a new NFT. Uh, we're willing to sell the meme that two has 
bad weeks for TechCast every week. That's that's the mean. Done. We start the bid at hundred grand. Like, <laughs> that's, that's it. If you're rich, if you, Elon Musk, if you're listening, it's yours. Hundred grand. It's yours. It's yours. Elon, oh. I'll even, Elon, Elon, I'll even buy a Tesla as part of that hundred grand. All right. So even that money comes back to you, right? Like. Um, yeah, but it's cool. yeah, it's, cool it's some crazy stuff Very going on in space, right? It's interesting, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but. Couple other stories I have left. One small one. Well, kind of small, right? It's, I would say I would categorize this as a medium story because it's very interesting to see how it's playing out, right? And then two big ones that are actually really interesting. But one small one is, oh, and I didn't paste the link, but Amazon is actually hiring its former former executive Adam Selepsky back to run AWS. So let me tell you guys why this is some interesting news, right? Adam Selepsky originally left Amazon about eight or nine years ago to go and run Tableau. Okay. He became the CEO of Tableau. What's Tableau? Tableau is an analytics-based software. Data visualization, of, pretty much. Oh, yeah. okay. And so he was running that platform after leaving AWS and running, being basically second in command of AWS, along with Andy Jassy, who is now the CEO, or will be the CEO of Amazon, right? So he left about eight or nine years ago, right? And he's running Tableau. He made it a public company. He's, you know, killing it with Tableau, right? He actually helped even sell Tableau to Salesforce. So Salesforce actually now owns Tableau. Yep. And now the other interesting tidbit is he now he's running Tableau inside of Salesforce. So he's still the CEO of Tableau, just now that it's owned by Salesforce. And he's running that company for a couple of years. And now his good old buddy Andy from AW from his AWS days has called him and is like, yo, I'm CEO now. You want to be CEO of AWS? And Adam was like, sure. And so Adam, <laughs> so Adam Selepsky, after I think eight or nine year hiatus from Amazon, is now returning back to Amazon as its chief executive officer of the AWS platform, which is huge, right? That's basically second in command at Amazon, right? Because AWS just makes so much money for Amazon that you're basically, it's such a high value position at Amazon that it's basically second in command there. But you what know, are your guys' thoughts around this? It's kind of funny, right? Because he's going literally to a direct competitor. A direct competitor. You're talking about like yeah. Tableau inside of Salesforce, <laughs> directly inside of like AWS where they've got stuff like QuickSight and, you know, all these different like, you know, real-time uh, data building platforms and, and serverless technologies. Like, it, it's it's it really is like a terrible thing for Salesforce right now. So, hopefully... Uh, you know, I think it's going to work out for him, but in, in terms of Salesforce, they must be very unhappy right now. And honestly, just what an interesting career this dude has, because he's literally the epitome of, like, yes, it, it may be what you know, but more importantly, it's who you know to get to those positions, right? Yep, he worked with Andy when they were low-level engineers 10 years ago, right? Andy worked his way up, Andy's CEO now, and hey, Adam, you want to run AWS for me now? And there you go. Even at this level, it's like you don't interview for these positions, right? It's literally a, having a buddy of a buddy call you and be like, hey, you know, make me a CEO and like I'll help you out here and all this stuff, you know? Your track record so. is more than enough. There's no need for an interview at that level. Exactly. Exactly. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit. And uh, definitely for, I thought you would find that interesting. But yep, very cool. Moving forward, and this is definitely going to be interesting for you two, being longtime users of this app we're actually recording on, believe it or not, right? Microsoft uh, is in talks to acquire Discord um, for $10 billion. And 
I can't say I didn't see this coming, right? Because with Microsoft's whole, you know, platform that they're moving on with gaming, with the Game Pass and everything, as well as as well as this whole Microsoft Teams framework for work-related things and voice chats and everything. You know, Four was mentioning this literally almost a year ago at this point. It's like, can you imagine we were just on Discord at work and just sitting there and all together in just one room and working together and we could hop in and out all the time? Well, Four, your dream is almost a reality, actually. within Probably within the next year or two, if, my, if this acquisition goes through for Microsoft, I wouldn't be surprised seeing this integration within Microsoft Teams yep. as well as the yep. whole X- Xbox Game Pass platform. You know, I, I, I do think you're right. Like, Discord internally could replace everything else that Microsoft offers. Like, Skype, okay, no problem. We're using Discord now. Teams, okay, yeah, no problem. We're using Discord now. Like, all of these, all of these like, features that are separated right now internally on Microsoft products could probably be could probably be all rolled into Discord. You know, and then there's other tools. And you even have video tools. chat in Discord now. I can literally click to turn on and off my video at any point in time. Absolutely. See, like I just turned it on and look, you guys can see me now. And you've got screen share and live streaming, right? And the only feature that Discord would need added for enterprise, I think, really is remote is remote uh, control. Like, okay, here let me let me control your computer, right? Because you can do that in Skype and whatnot and that's useful. And I'm sure they'll just plug it. I'm sure they'll just plug it and play it from Skype. You know how easy it is to write a Discord bot? You yep. know how hard could that be? Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's true, right? Think about this. They've got really, really, really easy and, and awesome to use APIs. And I mean, you guys saw, I put together a quick a quick bot in like, you know, an, a couple hours the other day. So, and that was never having touched Discord API before at all. So, I mean, that worked out yeah. really quickly, really easily. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I think about the different productivity where, like, use cases you have, you know. If you're on an engineering team and you want to do alerts and whatnot, bam, so easy. You immediately get alerts right to Discord. And yeah, I mean, there's, I, I think out of every, out of every application that has enterprise usages, Discord is one that I've been looking at forever. And I've been so surprised that they've stuck with this whole gaming theme because we all know where the real money is and it's not in video games. It's an enterprise. You know, if you can become an enterprise wide productivity tool, I mean, now you, now you're outside of just that one Oh, let's 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 you know let's go work with video game comp- uh, video games and, and gamers and whatnot, which is a big you know it's a big field. Don't get me wrong, but when you can get yourself on every desktop in the entire like enterprise ecosystem everywhere, I mean now you're talking about some big money. So I really don't. It just look, boggled my mind it took this long for something like this. To and happen. this is Microsoft, right? They're gonna turn this ten billion dollar investment to a hundred, two hundred billion dollar business, right? So. Watch yep. their stock price just skyrocket uh, once this acquisition's finalized you know, and they actually do something with it, right? I wonder if Microsoft is putting some kind of pressure on Discord also because they're growing at a massive rate still. They're probably the number one chat program on the internet right now. I think that's accurate. To say. I agree. And they're probably uh, undoubtedly the largest growing chat chat platform you know in the world at this point once again. And uh, I mean. Like, why would they want to give that up, right? Like, $10 billion is a lot of money, don't get me wrong, right? But I feel like Especially that's... when Discord's code is open source, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Right. I, 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 just, I just think that there, there was a lot of opportunity for them to keep growing. And like I said, they, it's $10 billion before they've even entered the enterprise area, you know? So if they, if they were in enterprise and had business clients and were really able to sell, sell, sell like that, I mean, imagine what their valuation could be. You know, and we're probably only we'd probably only be a couple years away from seeing that. So I'm just a little surprised that Discord would even entertain an offer like that when they have so much room to grow. It would be, I think, rather easy for them to make these adoptions, and they could probably double their valuation in like two years. 
Easily, easily. But nine, what are your thoughts here? I mean, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I also have echoed the issue that Discord is just such a superior chat app compared to the other alternatives right now. But just offers so much features, flexibility, and ease of use. Yep. It's insane, like, going to another chat option and then just feeling like such a lack of, you know, ability and use for any other thing. Uh, it's just so easy. We've done, we've used it for professional in a professional sense, in an educational sense, and even as a like hobby and personal sense. And it just fits all those niches easily. So, yeah, you know the fact that like for we're saying that this has been taking a while and this still hasn't happened is it's still mind-boggling to me. And you know it, it just works for Microsoft. It's an, such an easy thing to turn around. I'm, I'm and like not no one knows. And no one knows much about Discord, right? So Discord was actually started by a video gamer, but more importantly, a software developer named Jason Citron, right? He's the current CEO of Discord, right? But no one knows about him. He's really under the book, under the radar kind of guy and humble dude, right? And now he's really gotten to the point of they actually just hired their first finance chief this month, believe it or not, right? And so I believe it was in anticipation of either an acquisition, but rumors had it they were going to go public on the stock market. So... It's going to be interesting to see what route Discord decides to take here, but I think an acquisition for Jason himself, who also, by the way, has so many other hobbies besides Discord, right? He's a major developer. He likes enjoying video games as well. So I think he's really just trying to sell it and move on, right? But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I would love to talk more about it, but we're running out of time, and I have one final story, and this is a big story in one of two ways, right? Um, and I'll tell you how it relates to tech. Uh, to tech. Well, let's find out. I'm sure you guys have probably heard by now, but the Suez Canal, actually, which is a connection point between the Mediterranean Sea and the Red Sea, as well as the shortcut that people use to go from Asia to Europe, instead of going around Africa to cut through this canal, right? Mm -hmm. Is um, actually been blocked for the last about four days now. And it's mm. mostly because you have this massive ship that apparently lost power. And because of high winds, the ship couldn't go in a straight line after Ooh. it lost power. And it drifted sort of sideways. But because the ship is so big, it drifted sideways to the point where it's bigger than the canal. And so it's actually, its north bow has actually hit ground on one side of the canal. And its back bow, bow I don't, I'm not sure what boat terminology, but its backside had hit, has hit the opposite wall of the canal, believe it or not. And... Um, Oh man. This has actually stopped this has actually stopped global trade. Um, which about twelve to fifteen percent of world trade actually runs through this canal. Um, has actually stopped and come to a standstill and you see boats parked all over the place because of this blockage in the canal. And it's been four days. They had to fly in elite salvagers from uh Netherlands. They brought their own salvage units in, they brought a hundred tugboats in, and they can't get this ship to come out. And it's uh it's it's been pretty bad out there for those guys, right? And um, what's getting worse is that um, a lot of insurance policies are now starting to be filed because a lot of the goods that travel on these ships are perishable goods, yeah, right? And sure. another big one that travels on these ships is oil. So oil prices have actually been skyrocketing because of the blockage, because of the scarcity of oil, of course. And perishable goods are now being file, filed under insurance claims because it's been obviously way more than the 24 hour limit that they could live on the boat for. Right. And, uh, here we are with the whole, uh, mess with this whole ever given 
container ship blocking the Suez Canal. Dude, I wonder if and there's I would like COVID impacts to... by this, right? Like, think about that. Are there, are there like vaccines and stuff that go through here? I'm sure there are. So that's kind of nuts. I'm sure there are, right? I'm sure there are, but um, but I'm not entirely certain on that one. But uh, it's it's brutal because there's 15 percent of global trade, right? That's yep. literally come to a standstill, and a lot of global trade has already come to a standstill with the pandemic and. With something like this happening, this has actually been stated as the biggest shipping crisis in the history of the world. That doesn't include a ship blowing up, believe it or not. Um, so yeah. I wonder, like, but why would they like try to get the military involved? I brought the story up to really talk about how the ship had lost power, right? And my question became like, are we just way too overabundant on technology that like? The ship lost power. The guy couldn't even manually steer the ship to stay on track, of course. Yeah, well, I think so, right? I mean, if the ship loses power, everything's got power steering now. You know, I don't think it's just like a small rudder. I think, I, I doubt that, that the captain is manually turning that thing. And yeah, he must be I under mean, so much water force and pressure. I don't even know if it would be possible. Yeah, to turn I don't think manual. Power. I don't think he can do manual anymore. We're getting to the sizes power needed that like manual control i don't think is even possible i think that's why we have shipped these sizes now because we're relying on such power and tech yeah i heard about this actually through the way i usually hear big disaster news right. by memes no memes okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> i just started seeing memes of people like having their boats sideways and like and stuff like that and i just didn't understand what was going on and i'm like oh this is just trading catastrophe oh okay I thought it was just everyone going crazy. <laughs> Upvote next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of nuts, so, yeah, though, guys... right? Like, I would, I would, I'm not like, I don't know why they wouldn't like bring in, like, for example, you know, the U.S. Navy, for example, right? They've got giant ships, loads of power. Well, let them let them hook the up a tow strap is... to one of these things and just pull it out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got an idea. Well, I got an idea. Just build another canal next to the old one. Boom, boom, boom. Believe it or not, you got so, it. I love that. I like that idea, Nine. I really like that idea that you brought up. Because believe it or not, this is actually the Suez Canal 2.0. Yep. Um, the one that was next to it, actually, over time, it's not deep enough for all these container ships to go through. It's used for mostly small land ships, right? Yep. So they built 2.0 Suez Canal for the big ships to go through, like this one. And to your point for, you know, why don't they just bring in the U.S. Navy and all that stuff, right? Um, one, this is not a military problem, right? It's a consumer problem. And so they're not going to, so unless they want to pay the U.S. military's bill for that, they're not going to do that. That's the first one. But the, also the second reason is that you got a traffic jam over there, man. No boats have been able to get near there unless they're smaller boats that can actually tug this thing out. Just because there's a, literally a shipping line running all the way around the whole Mediterranean waiting to get into the canal. And same thing on the Red Sea side for all of that to get into the canal because of this blockage, right? And so there's just no way for a major big ship to even get there. Well, I mean, like, and he's so, got to cut yeah. the line, obviously. Like, come on. <laughs> Let him through. I guess it's... I'm not you a know... boat navigator, but I guess it's easier said than done, right? But, I mean, you already you already said the solution. The solution is just make that uh, Susan Canal 1.0 upgraded. Yeah, upgraded, right? Yeah. Take a little, just, dig, just dig deeper. Then, then, then problem. Just a couple of shovels, get a couple of guys, you know, pay them over time. Yeah, they can breathe underwater, right? They can breathe underwater to get we down. We got there. technology. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. We have tech. Scuba divers. Have you heard of it? Hello? Come on. We're fine. It will take a couple 
years, but you know, we're not doing anything right now. Uh oh, uh oh, another big ship stuck in Suez Canal 1.0. Oh no, uh, that's why I, I, I thought I had it. 3.0 is ready on the <laughs> <laughs> You can't get me that quick. But yeah, guys, so that's actually everything I had for TechCast. It was actually a pretty interesting week. I'm excited to see what else happens. Um, handing the reins off to four, who's also going to have a good week, and hopefully nine does not have a good week because they will technically be my week. So, haha. <laughs> we'll but, see about that. We'll see about that. But God, anyway, universe fell on my side. Anyway, guys, this is everything we've had for TechCast yep. this week. We appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate appreciate you guys talking. Mm-hmm. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Right, and please keep keep up with us on social media. I hope you guys have liked our new Tech Tip Tuesdays that we've unleashed out there, right? So and the memes. Feel free, feel free to send us your own tech tips and the memes or whatever you guys want, and we'll be happy to give you guys a shout-out, right? But anyway, guys, I'm two. I'm nine. I'm four, and we will catch you in the next one. Take care, guys. Yeah.